Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're here. We're working our way through Catherine Ponder's book, The Prospering Power of Love. And I suppose it's no coincidence that this week, she, in the material for The Healing Power of Love, she talks about Lent. And for those of you uh, maybe who have Catholic friends, you know, they're, they're abstaining from meat on Fridays and, uh, and doing some other things that they're, they're doing to celebrate Lent. But I wanted to share what Catherine Ponder has to say in terms of a metaphysical Lent. She says, part of the spring season is the religious observance of Lent, usually considered a period of prayer and fasting. It symbolizes a time of preparation for the resurrection of new life. So she says, let us stop crucifying and start resurrecting during this Lenten season and in fact through all the year. We can do it through the healing power of love. And so she says, this idea of fasting during Lent, what you should do is fast from negative memories of the past. Fast from grudges, from criticisms, from spite. Fast from feelings of injustice and hurt, as well as other inharmonies. So what is this idea of uh, fasting from our memories of the past? Why do you think our memories of the past might be involved in experiencing a healing? Pop quiz. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, for me, let me illustrate actually with a story because I, uh, I think it does a good job. So uh, believe it or not, I was one of those overly thin and probably gay looking young boys in high school. Okay, well, part of it's reality, right? I was thin <laughs> and I was gay. Uh, but, but for those of you who have hung out in high school, even remotely recently, there's the phenomenon called bullying going on. And certainly during the 60s, if you didn't participate in sports and were a little on the willowy side, oh my gosh, I still remember the afternoon I got locked in my own locker for four hours. It was not, yeah, it was not the highlight of my educational experience. And, and I think what Catherine Ponder is saying is when we have experiences like that, we can start allowing them to actually identify us. We start thinking that it's true. We start thinking that maybe that's what the world is like and that that's what we deserve. So, of course, I'm off to college at University of Oregon and uh, in the theater and English departments. And um, I went to visit my academic advisor. And I think that must have been a time in the world when advisors actually gave advice because they're probably not allowed to anymore. You're probably punished for giving advice, even if you're an advisor. But she's looking over my list of classes to make sure, right, that I'm going to meet all my requirements and things like that. And she said, this list doesn't really seem like you that much. And I said, well, what do you mean? It's all, they're all theater and English classes. And she said, yeah, the history of costuming, scenic design in modern America. It's like, uh, you seem like someone that wants to be with people. This looks, this more looks like you're going to hole up in your dorm room and read about life. And she was right. 
my experience in high school, as much as I wanted to be in dramatic arts, made me thinking that that was what the world would be like, that as I engaged other people, I would, would be put down, that I'd end up in, I didn't have a locker anymore. I was probably worried about what could be worse. But she was right. And just her mentioning it, I think caused me to have a little bit of a spiritual revolution in my own heart. Because that's when I first realized something that we teach here in Science of Mind, that our past does not have to be a predictor of our future. That we can simply change gears. That we can start believing something differently. And it isn't about um, erasing the past, right? Although I think there were moments when there were certain uh, things that happened to me in my life where wouldn't it be nice if you just had like the eraser tool from Photoshop and you could just kind of like, there, that one's gone. (laughs) Oh, that really sad birthday party, that one's gone. But what Catherine Ponder is saying, we don't really have to forget. We simply need to sever our emotional impact with the things that happen so that we can move forward. That there's something when we get stuck, there's something about us that's actually holding on to those events as though though they still have life for us, as though they're still helping to shape and define who we are. So it isn't about uh, removing the incident, but it is about moving beyond it. It is about sensing what's really true here. Do I have to be the bullied one? Am I, am I the victim? Is this really the way life is? Or was it just something that happened and now I get to have a different outlook on life? I get to have new experiences. Now, in talking about the idea of love as a healing force today, you probably thought we were going to talk more about literal healing, and and we will there in a minute. We're going to actually talk a bit about the mind-body connection, but I think a better place to start is actually a joke about healing, if you don't mind. So a faith healer ran into his old friend Max and asked him how things were going. Oh my gosh, not so good, was the reply. My brother is so very sick. Your brother is not sick, contradicted that faith healer. He only thinks he's sick. Remember, he only thinks he's sick. Well, two months later, they meet up again, and the faith healer asks his friend, well, how's your brother now? Is he any better? Oh, much worse, groaned Max. Now he thinks he's dead. (laughs) And I, for me... Actually, this is, I, this is a good summary because when we so identify with our thoughts, if they are of lack and limitation, it might as well be that we're dead. Have you ever known someone that's so identified with maybe a condition that they have or, or something that they've gone through that they are stuck in molasses? I know a friend of mine uh, many years ago survived cancer and uh, she, she had one of her breasts removed and had radiation and there was another spot of cancer somewhere else and that was taken care of. And, and it was like she was a changed person. And of course, I, I totally get that. I mean, of course she was a changed person. And yet, she so embraced this idea of being a cancer survivor that she wore a kind of like a badge of honor. 
And she was almost introducing herself to people that way. You'd say, you know, hi, Catherine. Uh, you know, I'd like to introduce my friend Catherine. And she would shake your hand. And before two or three sentences were out, she would say, you know, I had my five-year exam and I'm cancer-free. And do you see what was happening? Even though she was identifying with coming through cancer, it still was about the cancer in her. And she began viewing herself as, a, as the cancer survivor, as the, as the someone that had to make it through, as the, still as the victim. Now, a successful victim, don't get me wrong, someone that had seen the other side of it. But I really saw that it had her put in a little bit of box there. And many of the things that she used to do before she got sick in terms of hiking and other things that she loved to do, she had actually put aside. She had actually, I think, redefined herself in a way because of her experience as this idea of a cancer survivor that had limitations and that needed to do certain things and, and whatnot. Well, I, I'm happy to say that, that she's moved on, but there was about a three or four year period where my friend Catherine was really kind of stuck in this mode so identifying with the disease that she had had that that is the lens through which she viewed her whole life. Okay, now I'm looking at you guys for a minute. Could it be that you too have a lens through which you're looking at your own lives? Now, it may not be a lens of being a cancer survivor, but could it be a lens of maybe I was born into poverty and money's always a struggle for me? Could it be a lens of uh, all the relationships that I viewed growing up were pretty poor ones, and so I don't have much of a chance at a loving, honest relationship? Do you see? It doesn't have to be a disease. It doesn't have to be something that happened in, a, in terms of an incidence. Nonetheless, we all have a lens through which we view ourselves, through which we view life, that in large part is made up of your experiences from the past. So Catherine Ponder's idea, her, her Lenten idea of giving things up is to try to identify and give up the ideas and beliefs, the thoughts and patterns that are holding you back today. And so one of the homework assignments that I'm going to give you, uh, and we'll do, we'll do this part now <laughs> since we're in the right spot here. One of your homework assignments this week is to simply identify some places that you're stuck. Are there people, are there events, are there situations in your life that have helped to define you as smaller than you really are, as less capable than what you really are, as less lovable than what you really are? Have some of your life experiences kept your idea of love smaller than it could be, or, or your idea of peace smaller than it could be? So we'll, we'll get on to, to homework later, but, but that's her idea. All right, next thing I want to talk about is, so what can we do about it, right? Because it's one thing to recognize that we all have this lens through which we look at life, and, and I can tell you, I could point at people and say, you know, change those thoughts. 
<laughs> and, and in a way, that's what Catherine Ponder is doing in the book. She's saying, don't you realize you're being held back? Stop it. <laughs> but I guess I need a little more direction than that. How, you know, how do I stop believing a thing? How do I recognize it and move on? And of course, she has a couple ideas for doing that. One of the ideas we talked about last week, the idea of the raising and praising prayer, the idea that love itself can see us through being stuck. And so we certainly can simply say, I raise myself, I praise myself in the name of love, or I raise this situation, right? If you're thinking that maybe you're stuck in the place of, uh, uh, of bad career choices, or you're stuck in a place of, uh, uh, of maybe uh, relationships that aren't going well, you know, I raise this situation, I praise this situation in the name of love. That's a great place to start. But I want to ask you, sometimes what we need to let go of maybe has even more particularized itself. And I want to use maybe another example here. I was astounded to find out that 20% of Americans, slightly less for boys and slightly more for girls, 20% of American children are sexually abused. Think about that. Even just around this room, there's probably, I don't know, today 15 or 20 of us that might fall in that category of young children who were sexually molested. How do we forgive something like that? If Catherine Ponder is right, and I think she is, she proposes that events like that, or, or, or of course we would view the person who who performed that sexual act, right? As, as someone that we might hate for our entire lives, someone that we would hold within such a place of resentment and terror. And of course, that idea of just it coloring our lives in terms of relationships and, and our own sexual experiences. How do we go about tackling something like that? Catherine Ponder says that this idea of forgiveness, of course, is the ultimate idea of release, that just releasing garden variety ideas is one thing, but to truly forgive something that seems to have us stuck, and, and let me uh, even spend a moment just talking about this idea of being stuck, because that's easy to say, but what, is it, what does it mean in, in sort of real life feelings? Anytime that you view something that happened to you in the past and you feel it as though it's happening now, you're stuck a bit. So if you, if you picture that, I don't, you know, what, and it doesn't have to be something overly dramatic, but maybe that birthday party where you just felt worthless and awful, or, or maybe it was a time that you were overlooked for a promotion at work, and you really think the, the boss was just an idiot for doing it, and you, you think about that time again, and oh my gosh, you can feel it right here. It's just like it's happening now. You feel just as angry as you did then, or, or as sad, and, and the feelings may be different for different people, of course, depending on the situation, but, but it's just like yesterday. That's how you know that there's more releasing, more forgiveness to be done. That is how you know that you're stuck. And when you're having those feelings, almost by definition, of course, 
your heart's not open. You have, in, in order to have those feelings, right? You're, you've put up a, a, a shell over that heart so that you can endure, and, and it's a coping mechanism. It's, a, it's probably a successful mechanism for when it happened and not so effective anymore. Now, if you did have something really dramatic going on in your life, of course, I recommend seeing a practitioner. I recommend seeing a, a, a therapist. I recommend, uh, you know, getting some personal attention on this. It's not enough to do the, the uh, Nike, you know, go for it. We're releasing it today. Uh, kind of, you know, it's, it isn't about the gusto as it is about perhaps layer by layer peeling an onion down and, and forgiving and then maybe it rises back up and bugs you again six months later and you, you bless yourself and you bless what happened and, and, and you work through another layer of it. So sometimes some of these issues can take a while, but the important part is you are worth it taking a while. Because really what has happened through these processes, through us over-identifying with things, especially negative things that happened in our past, is what have we done? We've taken the shine off of our apple. We have said that not good enough is good enough for us. We have taken our dreams and in some way allowed them to become smaller. We're seeing ourselves as not as lovable, not as capable, whatever it is that has happened to us when we identify with it, when we allow ourselves to see ourselves as that that victim or something that was done to us, we're basically saying we're not as good as we should be. And that cannot help but tarnish our very soul. Like it, it can't help but have us not experiencing the good that we so deserve. So I've given you some clues here. This idea of maybe peeling things off like an onion. The ability to maybe do some praising and raising prayers around a person or a situation as a form of forgiveness now. Then maybe six months later, if you notice, there's still heat about that issue or that person. Maybe it's time to write a a forgiveness letter to yourself. Maybe it's time to do some journaling and, and, and you know, uh, gently process through it another time, allow it to just fade into the background. And who knows, maybe a year from now, something will come up. And, and, and if you're like me, though, the good news is after two or three processes, you start not feeling the intensity of it anymore. You start feeling that it was something that happened but it doesn't define me. It doesn't say who I am. It doesn't mean that I'm caught up in that idea of being the cancer victim or, or the survivor of incest or, or whatever it might be. You begin sensing that freedom of, no, I get to make up my own mind who I am, what I stand for, what I want to be in this world. And it's not to be defined by other people. And it's certainly not to be defined by people and things from my past. I found a, a lovely quote, I think, from Ernest Holmes on this whole idea of, uh, of letting go of our past. This is Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind. He says, then knowing that the thing itself, or God, can work through us and as us, let us begin to accept today more good than we experienced yesterday, and to know that we shall reap a harvest of our fulfilled desires. The time must come when we shall have left the apparent evil in our past behind. 
when it shall be rolled up like a scroll and simply numbered with the things which were once thought to be true. No longer a power over us, just something that happened. So I want to quickly summarize today. First, we release the past so that we can create a present that is more to our liking. That when we let go of our identification with uh, what we were like or what life was like when all this stuff happened or, or when something tragic occurred in our lives, when we release our attachment to that, then we begin moving forward. We forgive others to let ourselves off the hook. Not some magical incantation that, uh, that forgiving someone else has any effect on them at all. We don't do it for them. We do it for ourselves. We forgive others. We forgive the past so that we can live boldly and in freedom. And finally, uh, the praising and raising prayer that we learned last week is a wonderful place to start. I praise you, I raise you in the name of love. I praise this situation, I raise this situation in the name of love. Love truly can conquer all. I got some feedback last week. Someone wanted to know where the raising and praising prayer came from. And of course, you know, I'm always the smarty pants to begin with. I, I just said, well, it comes from the foundations class. Uh, but, I <laughs> but I thought to myself, no, they deserve actually a better answer than that. And so I found it. It comes from Emma Curtis Hopkins, one of the, the founders of the New Thought Moment, the teacher of teachers. And here's what she says about praise and raise. She says, if I were to be asked directly as to the quickest way for a person to get their healing power going, I would probably say, raise and praise everything and everyone in your mind. And if you wish to have your mental convictions demonstrate promptly, speak these praises aloud. So let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one life, one wholeness. There is one joy and one sweetness of being. This thing, this one thing, I call God. And what I know about God is that it is present in every person, every place, every situation, everything. Not only just the good things, but those things that in retrospect may look not so good. God, God is present there too. And so for myself, I take it all in. I recognize my life and its wholeness, the good and the bad. I see myself and accept my life as it is without a particular attachment to what happened. And so I move forward in my own life knowing what it is for me to enjoy all of life, accepting the, the love, all of the love, being present for day in and day out, what life brings, because, because I claim for myself, it shall be good. And as it is true for me, that capability exists for each person here. Each person here has that capability of letting go of things that no longer serve us, beliefs and ideas, experiences from the past, bad habits, bad relationships. Let's, let's allow them all to just fade from sight. We bless them, we honor them, we raise them, we praise them. They were part of what made us who we are today, and on this day, we move on. 
For each person here, I know that their hearts desire, their dreams of life can be real. As each person here accepts more of their good in their consciousness and releases that which might be restrictive, that which might be negative, our hearts open up, our lives become full, our joy becomes larger, the circle of love expands. And so I'm grateful for this awareness. I'm grateful to be here in the power and the presence of of these people. Grateful for Catherine Ponder and her, her message of this healing, truly healing power of love. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. So glad you're here today. So glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, You can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.